0: or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, uh, if you've got your Bibles, let's go Mark chapter 2 today. Uh, We're starting this series called God of Miracles. And uh, there's this theme verse, and I'm going to share this verse each week in this series uh, that comes out of Psalm 77. And because this is kind of encompasses the whole idea of the series says this, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. The thing about miracles is that miracles get your attention. When we read through the Old Testament, when we look at the Gospels, when we look at Acts, miracles got the attention of people. I was thinking about how Jesus got the attention of Peter. Peter was a business owner. Maybe there's business owners in the room, and he was a fisherman. And you can imagine if you're a fisherman, and what you do is fish for a living, and then Jesus comes along, and this rabbi from Galilee creates a moment where suddenly your boats sink because you have so many fish in your boat. That's a good day. Suddenly, you're like, you've got my attention. If you look at the story of the demoniac who uh, was literally naked and in running around the graves, and suddenly Jesus comes along, casts out the demon, changes your life. Not only did it get the attention of this young man, but it got the attention of everybody around. And actually, the scripture says that they're amazed, got their attention. I was thinking about uh, uh, the storm where you're in a storm. Maybe you feel like you're in a storm, and you think you're going to die. And Jesus, God, the God man, he's 100% man, 100% God. And he speaks, and the storm calms. And suddenly you go, wow. And so in these stories, these people responded. Peter actually falls and goes, Oh, you are God. I mean, in the story of the storm, they go, Wow, even the winds and the waves obey. You look at the demoniac, and they're amazed. I I was thinking about even if you're just, just hungry, like not in a storm about to die, not that you have a demon, you're just hungry, but that's a big deal, and all of a sudden, Jesus provides fish and bread, and thousands of people suddenly have a meal, and instead of being hungry, they're full, suddenly you go, you've got my attention, it's one of the things that miracles do, in my own personal journey, that's what's just happened to me not a fisherman. I don't think I have any demons. Uh, Sorry, that was a spontaneous comment. Uh, (laughs) uh, But I've been very close to my dad my whole life. Actually, when we started this church, I had people say, man, you sure talk about your dad a lot. And and I've experienced recently where God healed my dad. And so in my own journey, I feel like, okay, God, you've got my attention. And uh, my hope is that we will go into a season where the miracle story that Uh, We put in the documentary that we've told uh, last week on Easter, that that story of God at work, God doing miracles will grow in us to where we go, God, you've got our attention. And that story caused us to ask for more. We want to be a people. And so we're going to this series called God of Miracles with an expectation that God will do miracles in our own lives and in the lives of other people. And so my hope is that uh, you will actually ask God today, who are the people in my world, God, that you want to do a miracle for? And in this text, in Mark chapter two, there's actually two miracles. There's the greatest miracle, which is salvation. The greatest miracle is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's a great story with this, when Jesus looks at the 72 and they go out and the 72 go out and suddenly they're amazed by the power that they have. Because of Jesus. And they come back and they say, hey, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He's saying, my God is powerful. I saw my father cast him out of heaven so fast. Here's what you need to be happy for. He goes, be happy that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus is saying, here's the first miracle, salvation. And in this story with the paralytic, we find this idea where Jesus says, that's, that's the first one. That's, that's what matters most. I want to invite you in this series to be asking God, who are the people that need the miracle of salvation in your life? Maybe like Peter, uh, you've got a business where you know people that are far from God. Maybe you're someone that uh, looks at a family member. But I think sometimes it's easy for us to just kind of consume a message. My hope is that in this series, it's more than that you consume for your own life. Although I do pray and believe that God will do miracles in our own lives. But that you would be someone that stands in prayer, stands in serving, stands in sweat, stands in texting, stands in working on other people experiencing salvation or other people experiencing healing or other people experiencing a miracle in their life. And that's Mark chapter two. It's a great story about friends who made a difference. And so Mark chapter two, I want you to see this. It says this, uh, a few days later, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So that's interesting. It's large. Most commentators here think this was like more than 45 people. This was hundreds. Some say maybe up to close to a thousand, but it's so many people that they fill the house and they're all outside of the door. And he preached the word to them. So here's Jesus. And what he's doing is he's preaching. Verse three, look at this. Some men, I'm going to hit that hard today. Some men. So they're not named just some men. So there's some people that make a difference in the life of another man. And this man ends up being saved and healed, but we don't get their names. And I think that's important because I think for many of us, that's how we feel about our lives. I think we live in a culture where we esteem fame more than anything. Maybe in the last generation, there was an esteem for wealth. If there's anything in my generation that I see young people as well as people my own age, what they want is want to be known. Interesting thing here that uh, we've got Mark doesn't include their name, yet Jesus notices them. Look at this. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So he's got four friends. Paralyzed man has four friends. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, oh, wait a minute, their faith, their faith. Jesus saw their faith, their faith. Does that say their faith? When Jesus saw the faith of the friends. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven you. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And here's this last idea. This amazed, got their attention. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Title of my message today is, Rip the Roof. All right, Father, we love you today, and we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to step into the miracles that you have for our own lives. I pray for salvation for those online and in the room, and I pray for miracles. And in the same way that you did a miracle for this paralytic, I ask that there would be, as a result of our lives, people that we know in our friendships, our businesses, our schools, our hospitals, the places we're employed, the places where we hang out, restaurants. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to care like these friends cared. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the stories that my dad told last Monday night at the prayer meeting um, was a story about Elizabeth, who's here on the third row this morning. uh, And she's a nurse. Sorry, I just scared (laughs) you right there. You're like, oh, oh, dear Lord. Uh, Welcome to church. Uh, She's a nurse at Alatha Med, which is where my dad was for 25 days. And so when you're in the COVID unit for 25 days in isolation and not able to have any human connection other than what you're having on a screen, on a screen, it gets uh, a little bit lonely. And when you're looking at death and uh, it's looking like a high probability that your life is about to end, there's the possibility of being um, quite sad and grieving. When you're looking at the situation of uh, being sick and feeling physical pain and having the condition that my dad had and really having machines keeping you alive. Uh, there's a whole lot of physical pain. So when you're in physical pain and when you're in isolation from other people and when you don't know what the future holds, it's, it's really amazing when somebody comes along and sees you, when somebody comes along and cares. And so my dad tells the story about how surprised he was how when uh, Elizabeth, who goes to Radiant Church, uh, came by and she saw his picture, she saw the picture of our family, uh, and, and she recognized the name, and then she stopped, and she took sacrificial time, intentionality to pray with him, to say, I see you and I know you. She told the story about how she knew our family, and she cared for him, and she took extra time to notice him. Could have just kept going, could have actually just just... I'm not even taking the time to notice pictures, not taking the time to pray, not taking the time to literally sit down next to him as a nurse and care, do it going far beyond what she had to do, even intentionally trying to get to where she took care of him and rearranging the schedule so that she could take care of him. And so my dad tells the story about how surprised he was when somebody noticed and cared. And this story is really that story. This story is about four friends who cared about this paralyzed man. This is a story where these four friends decide they're going to take their friend to Jesus. And I want you just to ask the question this morning, what does it look like? And who are the actual people in your life that you actually care for? Like you care about them coming to know Jesus. You care about them experiencing miracles. Because it's really interesting that there's so many different stories where Jesus sees people and Jesus goes and initiates but we also have miracle stories where people initiate with Jesus and Jesus responds. So this is not the story where some friends brought their friend to Jesus and there's a crowd and they can't get in the house and they just say, tell you what, he's all powerful. If he decides to uh, walk to the end edge of the crowd and find our friend, great, but we've done all we can do. This is a story of people who sacrificially cared to a level that they interrupted what was normal. They interrupted kind of the standard. And so this is the moment where Jesus is preaching. And suddenly this is kind of a messy miracle because they're digging through the roof and it's probably awkward. What are you doing to my house? Like, I don't know. I mean, there's different commentators that kind of guess whose house this is. Many think it's Peter's house. And I just know if it's Peter's house, he's ticked because Peter's that kind of person, right? <laughs> Dude, this is expensive. Like, how dare you rip open my roof? And, and it's probably a big hole. I mean, when you think about that, this, you know, person is, this guy's laying down and he's probably, you know, about average size, which is about five, six, baby, all you tall Americans. Just so you know, The average height at this time was about 5'5". I'm just saying, "Mm, it's biblical. And so, but even at 5'5", if you have it kind of stretched out, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty big hole in the roof. Especially, I mean, I'm just saying, even if you have these poles, that takes a big hole. It's not a small hole. I mean, that's, because I was thinking about it. It has to be big because you can't, you can't do it this way unless you tie them up. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to make the argument, this is an awkward moment where suddenly Jesus is interrupted, and it's a costly experience for the homeowner, and, and yet they, they drop him down, and it's undoubtedly messy, it's, it's challenging, but, but here's the vision, they're desperate to drop their friend at the feet of Jesus, because at the feet of Jesus, where miracles happen, It's right here around this way. So they're desperate. They want him close, near, close to Jesus. And so I love this story because I love what Jesus sees, their faith. And I just think we have a lot of people like that in our church. That right now, you've got somebody that you care so desperately that they are saved. That they experience the miracle touch of Jesus. That like these friends, you're diligently working, sweat. I mean, probably, probably expensive. Probably risking some reputation in order to get the person that you care about at the feet of Jesus. I think of parents this way. I look at uh, on Monday nights. I look at all these parents that drive their kids, their teenagers, all the way to Bold Youth, and. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, kind of like for them, ripping the roof is Kansas City traffic. Like driving all the way there. Many times they'll even be, they'll live so far away that they'll even just stay in their cars and wait for their kids as their kids have an opportunity at the feet of Jesus to worship, to hear the word of God, to connect with other Christian comrades, to be in discipleship groups. And that's the heart of a parent. And other people might say, you're crazy. You're going to spend your time, your money, your resources that way. But here's what's going on in the heart of a parent. I care desperately that they know and encounter Jesus. So I'm going to rip the roof. I'm not necessarily ripping a roof in a first century home, but I'm driving a vehicle and I'm sitting here and I'm waiting because I care. I think about it in terms of uh, disciple makers. We call them small group leaders here at our church where actually I was thinking this would be a killer small group, right? Like, I mean, just take Mark 2. If you're a dude desperate for a name for your small group right here, five guys, right? Because this works. Four dudes taking care of you. One of us needs Jesus, and we'll go through anything to help you get at the foot of Jesus. That is a great small group right there. But I think about every small group leader that is intentionally taking up their own life in order to, I mean, their own cost, their own money to try to help other people be close to Jesus. Maybe it's financial and you're buying the coffee. Maybe you're an uber cool small group leader and you're buying breakfast. Maybe you're the amazing small group leader. And you're praying for five guys golf, you know, but like you're intentionally helping people get closer to Jesus at a sacrificial level. In our small groups, we, we encourage small group leaders to do four things to encourage, to read scripture, to pray, and to help people take their next step. So for those of you that are paying attention, it's an acronym I can understand ESPN. And that's what we encourage people to do. <laughs> but but if, imagine if you're that person and you're, you're intentionally speaking life, reading the scriptures, praying, Helping people become disciples, get closer to Jesus. It's a cost to you. And it's when Jesus saw their faith. It's what parents do. It's what Renata does every time she decides that she's going to not watch Netflix and study the scriptures with the kids. It's what every time I say, I will pay for a flight to get my kid around and the presence, people encountering God. What does it take? Because I'm I'm, I know that it's in the presence of Jesus, miracles happen, transformation happens. And so, if you're one of these guys, and your friend is paralyzed, and and you've heard stories that this rabbi from Galilee is the miracle maker, you've got a you've got bedrock deep in your bones a conviction that he's a healer, that he's doing miracles then you'll embrace a sacrificial way of life in order to help the person that you care about most encounter Jesus. Two miracles here, salvation, and then the miracle of healing. I wanna invite us just to be intentional and think what does it look like for us to actually take real people to the feet of Jesus. I wanna invite you to think about what does it look like for the people and even the people that you've given up on. Maybe there's a new person. Maybe there's a new method. Maybe there's someone you've already been believing for, praying for, for their salvation, or praying for their healing miracle, or praying that God would restore the relationship, or praying that their offense toward God, that the wall would go down as they recognize who God is. One of the things that Luke records, it's a little bit different, that I love a phrase when Luke tells the story. So I want to read that, because I want you to see this, kind of a new fun element to the story. Some, Luke 5.18, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on the mat, And tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way. I just like that phrase. When they could not find a way. Ever been there? I'm trying to help my spouse. No, God, I can't find a way. I'm trying to help my friend that I desperately care about. I can't find a way. Now, I'm that way right now. I've got three guys. The original way that I wanted to see them come to know Jesus didn't work out because they're my friends from high school and I'm old. Like these are guys from the mid 90s and now I'm 44. And back then I had a strategy how to reach my buddies. These are three cool dudes. These are, these are athletes. These are great academics, I mean, top influential guys in my school, not followers of Jesus, and I'm desperate for them to know God, but my, my, my way through the door hasn't worked. And that's right, look at this, look at this. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, their way didn't work. So they created a new way. Through the doors, not panning out like we had thought. This is the moment we surely give up. Ah, We'll just wait right here and see see if Jesus walks by. I don't know the conversation between the four guys, but you have to have a conversation to get to such an extravagant decision as to go, we're going to go ruin the man's house. And certainly it takes a little bit of identification of are you willing to pay? You go 25%, you pay 25%. I mean, are we we really going to do this? I don't know what that friendship, I don't know what that conversation looks like, but I think it would go something like, bro, let's dig a hole in the roof. Another one, the logical one, the Nathan of the group goes, that's going to be expensive. You know, I don't think we should do that. The David of the group is like, oh, it'll be a good time, baby. You know, like, I mean, surely there's a dynamic going on where there's a conversation. This is going to be, this is not your normal way to drop someone at the feet of Jesus. But when they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him. I just want you to see when there is this conviction deep in your bones, Jesus is doing miracles. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is at work. Then maybe your conventional, casual way that you've approached and you just can't see the miracle, maybe you flip and go, tell you what, we're going to come at it another way. Let's go up on the roof and do what seems audacious and bold, what seems a little bit extravagant. And if you can live without the miracle, then oftentimes you'll settle to not have the miracle. But when you're desperate and you believe that he's a healer, then you say, "Let's go rip the roof. Let's go up. It's gonna be, it's gonna be risky. People might reject us. It's gonna cost some money. Undoubtedly, and and I'm sure they're thinking it could. the, The savior passing by, the master. He might be a little bit bugged. But you know what's amazing about this story? Jesus isn't bugged. And you know, a lot of us think that. We think, oh, if we do something a little bit different, if we come in and we approach Jesus with boldness and you don't know how messed up I am, you don't know how sick I am, you don't know the demonic activity in my life, you don't know whatever issue you have, you think Jesus can't handle my mess, but there's a big old fat, ripped the roof mess in front of Jesus and Jesus isn't afraid of the mess. Jesus actually sees their faith. And I don't know, I don't know Jesus' demeanor, but I picture Jesus just looking at him going, I picture a wink. I don't know that that's there. I picture Peter's freaking out. I picture John is kind of laying his head on Jesus, chest smiling. And I don't know, sorry. I, I, picture, I picture Jesus seeing their faith. And if both Luke and Mark are recording it, when Jesus saw their faith, I just think it's obvious. It has to be obvious. It has to be eye connection. There has to be something where Jesus is going, whoa, that's a big move. That's audacious. That's, that's, that's and He doesn't get mad. Like I was thinking, you know, if somebody did that right here and right now, I might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, don't interrupt. This is good stuff I'm saying right now. You know, here's Jesus. Jesus just locked in. And I want to just encourage you with with wherever you're at. I want you to see Jesus. He sees their faith and he cares. This is another interesting thing. He cares about the man's deepest need. So so in that moment, that man, I I mean, sure, just the way that the narrative is told, you know that the storyline is that his deepest need, they thought, friends thought, paralytic thought, it's my legs, man. That's my deepest need, me to be healed. And so there's suddenly this story where Jesus says, sins are forgiven. And then from five and 11, there's six verses where there's this gap. And I think a lot of us live right there in that gap. We're like, I'm thankful for salvation. But I think what I really need is this miracle, this financial miracle, this restored relationship. And Jesus, if you really... And God, why not? And what I find interesting about Jesus here is that he gives so clearly. Let me tell you this. Let me give you what you really need. Let me give you your deepest need. Your sins are forgiven you. So this is a little bit crass, and I'm sorry if this is offensive. The paralyzed man, he dies. Great story. He's healed. But he dies. Like he's... That healing was maximum of 70-year healing. Maximum. I don't know how long he walks, but today he's in heaven. For eternity, salvation was what he needed most. And most of us think, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I want to invite you to lock in with the eternal value of what matters for eternity in salvation. Jesus, hmm, Be grateful. Yeah, we're walking in loss of power, Jesus. Those 72, walking in loss of power, Jesus. Mm. Here's the big one. Be grateful that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Be grateful for the miracle of salvation. That's what matters most. And so I don't know what your deep need is today, but your deepest need is relationship with Jesus. Your deepest need is salvation. Your deepest need is to know him. Your deepest need is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And no matter what physical problem you need a miracle for, financial problem you need a miracle for, it is temporary. It is a temporal need. And the greatest need in your life is a spiritual need more than a temporal need. But here's the thing I love about Jesus Jesus cared about the temporal needs. So it wasn't that he cared about the one and not the other. He cared about priority. First is salvation. Second, he heals the guy. Like he actually heals. And when you read Jesus, he actually cares more than you can imagine. Jesus is noticing the blind. Jesus is noticing the lame. Jesus is noticing the leper. Jesus is noticing the servant of the centurion. Jesus over and over again possesses compassion like we know not of. So many people think, well, if it's just salvation, and then we just endure here on planet Earth. But I want to invite you to this. There is salvation, and something in the heart of Jesus cares about that this man be healed. And if that be true, then maybe the God of mercy that we read about, the father heart of God. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to know what my father's like, I do nothing apart from my father. So the father's heart is expressed through the miracles of Jesus. And he's healing the sick, cares about every need. It's not an issue of does he care about the eternal need or your temporal needs? He cares about what matters most, but he also cares. And he, like, this is like any good father, right? When my boy Doss was little. His first word was dada. Mm, but I'll stop right there. That's the best. Mm, mm, mm. Second word, mama. Sorry, babe. You know, like, third word, coke. Yeah true. Sorry. All the doctors in the room respect me less. And uh, he wanted Coke. And so, you know, we were like not giving, letting him have Coke, but you know, he, he, he wanted, he wanted Coke. And actually one time when we were um, going through a drive through the lady said, "Will that complete your order. And I said, yes, that's all. And my two, maybe three, I mean, little tiny kid rolls down the window and he says, puts his head out and yells and a Coke too. And he rolls it back up. <laughs> right now. All of us, mothers and fathers, we know that we love to give good gifts to our kids, but we also know what they need most. And you have a God who is sovereign. And it could just be that you can't see all things, and he does. It could just be when you're saying, I need a miracle of this financial amount. He's going, I'm working on your heart. I want to make sure that generosity locks in. I want to make sure that maybe you learn contentment. Could be that there's a bigger picture than you see. Could be that the God who has compassion and is a father is working greater than you can imagine. Could be when you say, I need this physical need. And God's saying, I want you to place total trust in me, even in your darkest moment. They though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I want you to walk with me. We can't see like he sees. We do know that in essence of who he is, he is kind and he is good. And we see Jesus caring about the deepest needs of others. And I'm just convinced when I look at, when, when I look at my dad's story, I look at it and I go, you know, as we were, as we were facing the thought of potentially losing him. There was nothing like the joy of knowing that he would be with Jesus forever. because Jesus is his closest friend. And there was nothing like the joy of knowing that we would be with my dad and Jesus in heaven forever. And yet, when all of a sudden turned on a dime and suddenly he's walking out of the hospital, there's nothing but going. In your kindness and in your mercy, you care about these temporal needs of these crazy triplets and this kid, Dan, and my mom, and we get to have dad a little longer. You're so, so good. And I just want you to lock in with, he is good. All through it, the miracles are actually these kind acts. You're hungry, I'll feed you. Sick, I'll heal you. I mean, kind of wild, the John 2 story. Need some extra wine at the wedding? What's up? You know, like, I'll help that out too. Like, huh. Like, maybe he cares more than you think. Maybe the mir- Maybe there's nothing too small. On Friday, I was studying miracles. And uh, I felt like God put on my heart to do more than talk about it today, but to stop what I was doing and to just pray. For something in my own life. And it's something that is just, it's core to me, but something that I felt like wasn't turning. And I just stopped and I just started to pray. And uh, Friday night, so that was probably maybe six hours later, I ended up having a conversation that flipped that situation on its head, turned it in a, I mean, turned it. And on Saturday morning, I got up to study some more at Panera and I sense the Holy Spirit say, see? And I just tell you, there's no, there's nothing too small. A miracle is God intervening. Sometimes it's a big epic story of a man who looks like he's close to death and God flips it. Big miracle. But sometimes you know, you prayed, and suddenly something turns and you go, God intervened. In the documentary, my mom calls it love notes. You got to watch it just for that. There's this great moment where mom goes, God sent me love notes. And here's what she's saying. Little miracles, little things. Just, just, just dialogue with God where he intervenes. And I know, I know he's speaking to me. I know he's talking to me. I know he's helping me. I know he's caring for me. He's a God of miracles. Some of us have stopped asking for little miracles and big miracles. Some of us have gotten offended by the past, and so we have given up on the idea of miracles. And I want to invite you not to quit asking. Whether we like it or not, asking is the way of the kingdom. And so we just come before him like children. And we ask. We say, God, you're the God of miracles. And I'm picturing people in Kansas City that you've given up on. They're going to just live like far from God. You know them. I don't. I'm picturing some miracles that you know, it's in your circle that I don't know, that it's easy for you to go. It's just the way it's going to be. But in this season of miracles that we're pressing into, I want to invite you to do a reframe and say, maybe God has a method that's different than the method that I'm using. Maybe I got to come in a new season with a new way and get up on the roof. I'm just casually trying to walk in the front door and it's Jesus, he wants to heal. Where's the bold audacity that rips the roof? When he saw their faith, he saw their faith and he goes, I like that. And so for me with my high school buddies right now, my, my, my dream didn't turn out. I mean, my dream was lead them to Christ in high school and have revival, baby. But it looks different now. Now it's texts, DMs, celebrating their wins and their businesses, intentionally choosing the airports of the cities that they live in to have a layover so I can grab lunch with them and try to figure out if we can talk. Looks different now, but here's the vision. He's don't give up. Here's the vision. He's the God of miracles. Here's the vision. This might take some sweat. Might take some digging. Might take some ripping the roof. Don't give up. Keep asking. Keep believing. These miracles, the miracle of salvation. Oh, the best one. That's the one that's eternal. And then the miracles of, and while we live here on planet earth, God, would you restore relationships? God, would you heal broken bodies? God, would you do financial miracles? God, would would you work in a way that we couldn't even fathom? He's a God of miracles. And I I, want to just end with this. At the very end, it says this. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God. We've never seen anything like this. Amazed. Ah, you've got my attention. Listen, here's some men, four to be exact. Four men, some men, strategy, plan. Here's the plan. We're going to do what we can do to get them in front of Jesus. All we can do is just drop him in front of Jesus. But in front of Jesus is where God does the supernatural work. And then there's the miracle. If they'd have never got him there, we wouldn't see the miracle. It's God's work, but God smiled at their faith. And then the third part is, and it says, and everyone praised. not that amazing? So think about it this way. Maybe your small group, maybe your family, maybe you and your spouse, maybe you and your kids, maybe you and your people in your business. You, what is the miracle that you're believing God for? Who are the miracles that you're believing God for? And how are you getting them to the feet of Jesus? Prayer? Ooh, every intercessors is ripping the roof. I love intercessors serving. You meet a practical need of somebody. You stop by their hospital bed. You see a picture. You, You could be Elizabeth and you could just walk on by. Or you could see, stop, sit, pray, encourage, show extra care. Dad could have died. It's ripping the roof. I'm telling you in America, one of the worst things we have is so much entertainment, so much wealth, so much abundance that we don't have the capacity to care. I'm telling you one of the best things you can do is to name the people that you're willing to rip the roof for, to identify proper names. Not just I'm going to be a good person. Not just I'm a suburban, nice American, no, 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 here are the people. I got 50, 60, 70 years on planet Earth left and I'm gonna rip the roof. I'm gonna make sure my spouse, my kids, my colleagues, the people that work for me in my business, the kids in my school, you name it, I'm gonna rip the roof. I'm gonna have some, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some people I will intentionally pick up the I guess it'd be one, four of us, let's go, throw them all. This is costly, this hurts. This is traffic time, this is dollars. I think many of us, if we, if we could see ourselves as ripping the roof for our children, I think we got a whole lot of competitors, a lot of things to throw our kids at the foot of entertainment, entertainment at the foot of sports, mm, at the foot of being famous one day. Mm. We're throwing our kids in a lot of places other than the feet of Jesus. Imagine if you get this vision. Man, I'm, I'm a rip. I'm a roof ripper, baby. I, I, I'm going to figure this out. I just think Jesus might smile at you too. I just think Jesus might go, man. Now, I'm sure Jesus doesn't say, man, what's up? Uh, Jesus goes, and he saw their faith. And I just love a little small group, a little men's small group, five guys, working, sweating, dreaming, anticipating, putting feet to that vision, getting their friend in the... By the way, this is what happens every time you bring someone to church or small group or lead someone to Christ, because then what happens? Actually, there's more than just praise in the congregation, Scriptures say, Jesus says in Luke 15, that when one person repents, the angels rejoice. So you get a band of people focused. Jesus does a miracle, salvation, miracle, healing, miracle, restoration, miracle, God intervening, and then says the people praised God and said, we've never seen anything like this. That's why we gather in here on Sundays and we tell stories, we worship. Oh God, you did it again. Oh God, you did miracles. That's why it's so important that we tell the story, that we be together, that we talk about the activity of God. God at work. He's the God of miracles. We're in a season right now as a church where God's got our attention. God did did one miracle, but he's doing lots. Actually, this week, my dad told me a story of uh, one of his friends, the pastor. And uh, they Someone in their church called and said, hey, uh, we have someone in the ICU. They might not make it. Will you pray? Pastor, my dad's friend, prayed a brief prayer, hung up, and then felt conviction and remembered the documentary that we showed you the trailer for last week that we made as a church. And he sent to the people in the hospital the documentary. So quick prayer. And then mm, text. Here's the link. They watched it. In the hospital. And instead of just recoiling and giving up, and instead of just doing like a token prayer, they began to just pray with faith like they saw in the documentary. And then the next day, he walked out of the, out of the hospital fine. It's a miracle, yeah. Actually, dad was telling me about churches across the United States that are starting to show it on a Sunday morning just to breathe whoo, face. And I think, here's my prayer. Man, maybe across Kansas City, they would see miracles in our house and praise God. And worship would erupt. And we'd see people come to know Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? I just want to invite you to ask God, who am I ripping the roof for, God? Is there someone that needs a miracle in their body? Is there a child, a spouse, a friend who's far from God? Who am I ripping the roof for? I'd like to invite you just to name it. Get a proper name. And then maybe just ask God the next question. How can I rip the roof? How are, maybe even ask the Lord, God, would you help me to see a different way in than the... Than the traditional way that I've, I've been approaching this situation. And I want to invite you just right now, lock in. God, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to serve this person. Oh, I'm believing for a miracle for this person. Maybe you're in the room, and the good news of salvation, the good news when Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. It's the best news. It's the eternal miracle. And maybe today you want to receive the good work of Jesus on the cross that died in your place for your sin. And Jesus, that same Jesus that said it to the paralyzed man says that to you. If you'll just repent and say, I turn from my way. I want to go yours. I give you my life. That you today. Would you just say that? Jesus, I surrender. Save me. Be my savior. And Father, I ask for the miracles that are needed in the room. Salvation, miracle, and every temporal one. Everyone that you care about. You care about the sick. You care about the hurting. You care about the lonely. And I ask for a Miracles in our house. Miracles at Radiant Church. I pray that this would be a season of God intervening in ways that we love to talk about. Have your way and let the people praise you. In Jesus' name.